It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today, we have a awesome guest. I know I always say a special guest, an awesome guest. I didn't say special, I, although <laughs> she is very special, um, but I didn't say special. So I apologize right off the bat. I'm insulting her right off the bat. But um, yeah, we have an awesome guest uh, today. Um, she runs for a great cause. Um, I can't wait to hear her story. I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. Um, Jen Hoy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I, I had to ask before because the spelling on the name is a, a little off and I was like, ooh, is that how you pronounce your name? <laughs> I swear I've butchered so many butchered so many names on this podcast. It's uh it's it's terrible. No I, I butcher Robbie's name all the time and his is pretty easy to pronounce. So <laughs> he forgets my name. <laughs> yeah. Like who's that guy in the little box down there? But, well, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Um I I found you on Instagram, uh, just like kind of read a little bit of your story on Instagram of what, you know, what I could capture in the profile and, and some of your, um, some of your posts. And I was just like, man, we got to have her on the podcast. Um, so I, I can't wait to hear it, but let's first start, um, how you got into running. Cause you have a couple marathons under your belt. You just told me that you're training for your first ultra marathon. So I, yeah. I can't wait to welcome you to the club. Thank you. I, I'm super excited. And when I said I wanted to celebrate my 50th birthday with an ultra, my mom was like, well, could like, how about a spa day? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how runners do things. We, we do spa days to recover from our long runs. <laughs> no, this is, that, that's how I want to celebrate. Um, it, you know, I didn't start running until 2021. Um, one of my first races was the Boston Marathon. Uh, because if you're going to do something, you might as well just do it. Wow. I hadn't run since 1990 in high school. Um, and I was not a great runner in high school. Our team was terrible. <laughs> coach ran behind us to make sure we didn't go into the cemetery to smoke cigarettes. And like, get <laughs> so there's like, it, when I, I said to my family, like, I'm going to run the Boston marathon. Everyone was like, um, do we think this is a good idea? Like you're not a runner. <laughs> run. So then I was like, well, now I have, now I have to run. Yeah. You got to prove them um, wrong. <laughs> like, so that's kind of how that started. Um, and it was honestly, my first Boston was the most magical day of my entire life. Yeah. I've heard, um, I've never run one of the majors, but I have a lot of friends that have run them and I just hear nothing but great things in Boston included, you know, um, yeah amazing things i watch it every year on lot you know on tv when they have the the elites but i know that the the magic is behind the elites it's just fun to watch those guys run but yeah. and uh, growing up in boston i mean i couldn't imagine a better place to run my first marathon yeah amazing amazing so how did it go how'd that first marathon go it was fantastic i i mean i had no illusion that i was going to do fantastic or well i, I just wanted to finish and so I, I high-fived every little kid. I pet every dog. I had family and friends in almost every city along the course. So I stopped, I hugged them. And I stopped at one to give one of my cousins a hug. And she's like, you need to go, you're running a race. <laughs> and then there were people that that I knew from my life that I didn't know were going to be there or who, who weren't there to see me. And they'd be like, hey, 
what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm running a race. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell, but I have a bib like, on me. What are you doing here? And, <laughs> and I remember like it, it, in my old, like, I don't know, 22, a, a girl from my high school was like, hey, Jen, are, are you running? And I said, yeah, why are you here? And she said her husband was behind me. And I said, all right, I'll see you later. It was like, there was no way I'm letting her husband beat me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> what other marathons have you done? Um, so I did Boston in October of 21. That was the year that they did it in October. Uh-huh. And then I did Boston in April of 22 and then Chicago in October of 22. Wow. So you just can't, you came out swinging. I was, I mean, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Most of people start out with like, you know, the local marathon in their town and, you know, I guess Boston be living, you know, growing up in Boston, that is your local marathon, but <laughs> The one marathon yeah. that I've ran was like, I don't know, 400 people that ran it. I can't, I can't imagine lining up on the starting line with 50,000 people. It's just got to be a different, so it's, different. It's so strange. I mean, even the, the best way to get to the starting line is you take these school buses from the Boston common and they were buses from the city that I live in, which was strange anyways but you're sitting on a bus with all of these strangers you don't know and you can feel the energy everyone's nervous and you know once you kind of get into your corral and they they let you start running it's like oh wait we're doing this and they're from Hopkinton all the way to Boston they the streets are just lined with people and even yeah. at 9 a.m there were people outside like with coffee and some with beer and other things but I mean <laughs> it was just it's just absolutely magical yeah well you had told me that you're running you know your first ultra marathon um for your 50th and it's a 12 hour timed right is that what you said yeah. so yeah. you're going to see um three people um al along the course uh those are going to be probably the race director and the two people running the aid station um and then maybe the other seven that are running the race with you probably <laughs> Trail running, I, I trail running more. is pretty, uh, or ultra running is pretty, uh, pretty small niche community. I think yeah. if we have a big race, it's like 300 people. <laughs> I think this is, I, I don't think it's super big, but it's not super small. And I do know a couple of people running and it's a loop. Yeah. So I'm hoping I can convince some family members to come sit outside at least for an hour or two. Yeah. It's always fun. I, I, I enjoy the loop courses. Um, they don't, they don't bother me. I, I heard, you know, people just like, I can't stand loop courses, but they don't bother me at all. I'll run a loop. I've run 20 mile loops. I've run three mile loops. So I, I, you know, they just don't bother me, but I guess that's just the, the mentality of a, an ultra runner. I guess. I'm looking forward to it. I just started with trails. I don't know, like a couple months ago, I, I still fall every single time I go out. I need to get a better handle on paying attention um, I think that's the biggest difference between road running and trail running. I, I need to be a little bit more present. Yeah. I think that the, uh, there, I mean, there's a huge difference, you know, it's, it's, you have things that trip you on the trail or on the road. Like if something's tripping you, there's, there's bigger issues, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I made the switch a couple years ago and I, I love it, but yeah, it's great. It's great. But, uh, the road likes to trip me since I'm, <laughs> don't, I don't run on the road. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Well, I found you because um, 
you have a you have an interesting story. Would you mind uh, going into detail and telling the listeners about your story? I wouldn't okay. say it's interesting. I'm not saying it like that. I just it, it caught my attention, and I I think it's something that the um, you know the listeners would enjoy hearing, and I want to hear your side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I mean when you asked how I got into running, it would be because of, of this. So um, I lost my brother, Teddy, to suicide in May of 2017. Um, and the first three years, I really didn't process any of the feelings. I just kind of was on autopilot trying to deal with just living after my brother's suicide. Um, and then COVID happened and suddenly, everybody is home with me all day, every day. And I felt like I, I need to escape. And I remember thinking like, if there was anyone who would have been prepared for this pandemic, it would have been my brother. He was the type of person that like, I don't know, packed for his camping trip that happened in July in March. Like he was just always prepared for everything. And so one day I said, I'm just going to go out for a walk. And I took my dog Penelope, but over those three years after I had lost my brother, I had stopped sleeping. I had gained a ton of weight. I was super unhealthy. Um, I was full of so much anger. Um, and so just walking to the end of my street, which is like a 10th of a mile, I had to take a break. And I, I was like out of breath, winded. But when I was out there, the whole time I'm in my head, I'm talking to my brother and mostly not nice things. Um, but when I got home, I was like, oh, like I kind of feel a little bit better. And so each day I took my dog out and eventually we were like going further and further um, until one day my kids were like, I think you just walked like 10 miles today. And I was like, oh, oh, that's good. And I also noticed well, I, I'm actually feeling better and I'm sleeping at night and I'm getting healthier. And my conversations in my head with my brother were, were getting kinder. I mean, I still swear at him every single day in my head, but you know, like <laughs> that's just what, who he is. Um, but I, I started walking and, you know, I found that walking helped me feel better just physically and mentally. Um, and my family had been involved with the Samaritans organization. It's a suicide prevention organization. Um, and their annual walk was canceled because of the pandemic. So I, I thought, like, how can I? Oh, no worries. We all have dogs. <laughs> Three dogs, a cat, chickens. It's like a zoo. Um, so, you know, I decided to do the virtual walk because the live walk was canceled. But I thought, like, okay, my brother would have walked a million miles if he could have helped one person even just for a minute. So you know what, during the entire month of September, which is Suicide Prevention Month, I'm going to walk at least a 5K every day and I'm gonna dedicate it to somebody who's been lost to suicide. And I reached out in an online group to, to ask if anyone would like me to honor their loved one. And within minutes, my inbox was filled um, and I realized like I could walk every day for the rest of my life and only touch a fraction of the people. And I got to know the families and the people they lost and what they loved most about them. And I shared their stories. Um, 
And that just became, I call it healing miles. Um, and I, I do these mostly on anniversaries and birthdays for families now, because what I found was walking every single day was super heavy um, and it's a lot to carry. Um, but from that, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention the following spring had this event called Marathon in a Month. And I figured, well, I'm walking a marathon every couple of days. So let's commit to some random number. And I said, okay, I'm going to walk 300 miles this month. And I'm going to dedicate every day to somebody. And so, you know, again, I reached out. And the that month was also the month of my brother's anniversary. Uh, and it was the first year that, like, I found that I felt hopeful um, on his anniversary. And I spent the day, it was the fifth anniversary um, in our hometown. And I walked with you know, the mayor who we grew up with and I walked by our old school and our, it was just, I remember feeling, you know, I found a community that helped me feel hopeful in, in the midst of this tragedy. And shortly after AFSP sent you know, hey, are you interested in applying to run the Boston Marathon? And I thought, okay, let's do this. Like Teddy would have loved it. He worked um, as a, a park ranger at the Massachusetts State House for 20 years. And he loved Marathon Monday. He loved everything about the city. He loved working Marathon Monday. Um, so I thought this would be a great way to honor his memory. And that's kind of how it all, it all started. Wow. Did you, did you seek help in those three years prior to you finding walking? No. Um, and that's something that like for new loss survivors, I would say like, don't, don't be the strong one, like being the strong one for your parents or your family or for your, you know, your kids, it doesn't help. Like, you know, you need to process those feelings. And I think if I had reached out for help through a therapist or through AFSP's healing conversations, I think I would have been in a much better place. I, I would have been living for three years rather than just kind of stalled out. Um, when I say like I wasn't sleeping more than an hour a night, I, I work full time. I don't know how I functioned. I have no idea how, how that, like looking back, like I can't even imagine. Yeah. What drove you to, to decide to just go for a walk one day? Um, well, cause I've been a remote worker for many years. So I was used to just being in my grief by myself at home with the dog. And then suddenly I have three kids, a husband, my in-laws are next door, like everybody's home all the time. And I didn't feel like I could like show my emotions around them. And so I thought, okay, just I'll get out of the house. Nobody needs to see me. And that's kind of how we'll deal with it. Um, I, I've learned kind of some better coping skills since then, but that's how I did it. Yeah. I think when the pandemic hit, it was kind of a, a thing for a lot of people. You had a lot of, you know, the gyms were closed. So the people that are the meatheads, they were like, well, let me give this running thing a try because I'm stuck in the house and for, you know, for a long time. So I think that a lot of people... A lot of people found running and walking and getting yeah. out, you know, when they weren't allowing us to go outside, they were, you know, I don't know what the restrictions were in your place, but a lot of places were like that. But, um, 
when when you said that you reached out to uh, a bunch of different families, like how many how many families were you in contact with when you were um, when you started to walk so for the survivors? I'm a member of a suicide loss um, survivor group on Facebook, and I just posted in the group, "Hey, this is what I'm thinking of doing. If you're interested, send me a message." And it's it was people from all over the world. Um, you know, men, women, children, just, it was staggering. Like I knew when I started like asking, you know, for people to reach out, like that I would get a lot of interest, but I didn't expect the level yeah. that I, like, I just, I couldn't process it. Now, when you were doing the, the 5k a day in honor of, of one of their family members, what, what kind of um, story were you telling about their individual? Usually I would, I would ask them to share with me what they missed most about their loved one, because usually that's how you're going to learn, learn about them. And I would ask them to share pictures. Um, so I would share, you know, what somebody loved to do. You know, there was one family who I've become pretty close with. Um, the dad was a, uh, a bodybuilder and his daughter loved to go to the gym with him and and that was something that that she missed um and he loved cats which was you know super i don't know contradictory to his big you know muscular <laughs> like appearance but like you know he had that soft side and so it just little things it's a, it's the little things that you miss the most mm -hmm. um and i i tried to share that with with others so that not only that we could help, you know, I could carry the grief for this family, even just a couple of miles, but so that other people would see that they weren't alone, um, whether they were in crisis or grieving the loss of a loved one, um, and that there were resources out there. So I always made sure to share um, the suicide prevention lifeline or other resources. So you spoke about, uh, you know, you didn't start going through the the grieving process or process to deal with it till three years later. So during that time, what do you think was the issues, why you didn't process it? Then what have you learned from after you started processing it? Um, so growing up, I was always like my brother's protector. Like I, I was the one that would chase down people who beat him up on the schoolyard. Like I got a reputation as Teddy's big sister. So don't start a fight with him because she will kick your butt. Um, and even into adulthood, like I felt super protective of him. Um, and so after he died, I kind of, I think I felt like the one time I should have been able to protect, protect him, I couldn't. So it was like, I felt like I, I failed him in that, but then also seeing my parents, I mean, going through the worst tragedy a parent could ever suffer. I felt like, all right, like I need to be strong and I need to be strong for them. And I can't let them see that I'm suffering too. Um, and I thought like, you know, my kids, like they need to see that like everything is fine and everything's not fine. Like, <laughs> and, like if I could go back and tell myself like, like, what you see on the internet, like what you see on Facebook and you're seeing what people want you to see, like everybody's life isn't fine. Everybody has things that they're going through and it's, it's okay to feel them 
and to experience them and just live through it. And I, if I had done that, I think it would have been a lot smoother. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a lot of guilt and shame. Oh, absolutely. Which is super common um, with suicide loss. You know, I'm learning that everything that I was feeling is, is not uncommon. Um, It's just people don't talk about it. And once I started talking about it and meeting people in the community who kind of shared, I guess my, my hope to like reach others, learn like, if we talk about it, people feel more comfortable talking about their own feelings or their own experiences. So, you know, when a, a traumatic thing like that happens, it sounds like your first instinct was protect yourself uh, because you didn't know how to be authentic and uh, vulnerable on how to process any of this. So you started protecting yourself, um, which then led to not dealing with it and processing it because you just kept it all bottled up inside. So then after you started walking, uh, can you walk us through the steps of how you started processing it and, you know, uh, what the community did to help you realize that you need to be vulnerable and authentic and it's okay to ask for help? Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Like I said, you we all have sorry. dogs. We all have dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we all have lives. It's all good. <laughs> so loud. But yes, absolutely. That's absolutely it. I think until I, I allowed myself to be vulnerable and authentic, I, there was no way I would be able to process any of that. So, uh, what did you what did you start doing to start processing it? Mo- mostly, um, my social media posts. I kind of treated it like a blog. Um, and share whatever I was experiencing that day. If I had a bad grief night, I shared it the next day. Or if I was feeling particularly guilty because I experienced joy um, and then felt guilt because, you know, why should I experience joy? Like learning that you can experience, you know, grief and joy at the same time, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I just sharing that, I remember the day that I shared that um, a couple of people reached out and were like, you know, I really needed your post today because I, I always feel guilty when I feel too happy. Um, and that that's, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's crazy that, you know, you you don't know when you posted something, you know, you're using it as your personal blog, but you don't know how many people that have seen that and have been affected by it. And just like you said, I needed that today. And you don't know how many people didn't reach out to you that, said that they needed that you know it's... yeah I mean my feeling is if I can just reach one person then I've made a difference yeah I, I totally agree because um without a community behind you you feel like you're all alone and without be able to the, the best thing about community is you hear others going through the same problem and everyone has a different way of looking at it and when you can start to start to build off those other struggles that people are going through, you can feel I'm not alone. Um, my posts do help people. I'm not alone. I can take what you just said and build off that for myself. And I totally understand what you're talking about. 
when you're feeling joy that the guilt comes right back in the, the shame comes back right in because how can you feel joyous when such a tragedy happened and you should still be grieving i i totally understand that thank you what are some of the um what if someone is going through um something similar you know what happened to you what are some of the organizations that they can reach out to that you know that might help them well i mean if if you or someone that you love are in crisis the 980 hotline is available it's 24 7 for talk or text um for postvention like after you've lost a loved one to suicide the american foundation for suicide prevention AFSP, um, they have chapters in every state in the US. Uh, they offer um, healing conversations and other programs uh, if you've lost someone to suicide. And honestly, the AFSP community has really changed my whole world. Um, just the entire organization is about bringing hope to, to people who've lost someone to suicide and, and they really do a great job by, of that. Um, and they have a lot of resources that are available. And then there's also the Samaritans. Um, they actually manage the crisis line, but they also have a lot of services for suicide loss survivors. Okay. Are you um, are you still walking and running day to day and still doing these virtual walks for family members? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I, you know, I was doing them every single day. Um, and I remember I ran for a young boy. He was 10 years old. His name was Sean. And after I ran for him, I, it just felt so heavy. I I'd had to take a break. Um, and so what I found is when I do races, I now dedicate every mile to somebody. Um, and I always save the last mile for my brother. Um, but that feels, I think, more manageable. Um, because it was, it was almost too much. Like, how much can I carry, um, and still stay healthy? Yeah, um, that, that's got to be hard to, you know, run a marathon twenty six miles, and every single mile you're running for someone else. Yeah, you know, I, I do love, I do love, you know, races dedicating all of the miles. I think it it brings other people hope. Um, when they love to see their loved one's name and picture um, that I share. Uh, and so that feels to me be like better. And then, you know, as I talk to people, if I know that they're supporting someone in their life who's struggling, or if they have a, an anniversary or a milestone coming up, I'll dedicate my daily run to those people. But I do love that I'm able to dedicate miles for all of these races to people all around the globe. Yeah. When do you think um, through, this is kind of a hypo, hypothetical question because of what I'm kind of getting from what, how the way you're still processing this is dedicating a mile to uh, someone that's had uh, this happen. When do you think you'll be able to run for yourself? Um, my hope is for my the, the first ultra that I'm doing. My plan is I'm not dedicating miles because I don't know what I'm going to do. And the whole purpose of me doing this race is to celebrate 
that I've made it to 50 and I'm the strongest and healthiest I've been in my entire life. Um, that is my race. That, that makes me really happy to hear that because uh, I, I hear through your voice the struggle and I don't know if I could go out and dedicate every mile to, you know, a, a tragedy that would just weigh on me so much. And I'm sure it does bring you joy and you can see through the, the darkness of that. But uh, it just feels like for growth, there has to be the time for you and you deserve it. You need it. Thank you. Yep, it's, it's gonna be that, that ultra. I can't wait. wait. <laughs> if somebody else wanted to get involved with um with dedicating miles dedicating races how how would one go about reaching out um they can reach out to me um on instagram um through the link in my bio or they can send me a, a dm um or through my website jenniferhoy.com okay awesome so moving uh you know, not, not definitely not wanting to, um, take away from the, the story and, you know, but your, your ultra marathon coming up, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? Um, you, you didn't see her face, but she just lit up like <laughs> huge smile. Like I mentioned, she's so ready for this. She's like, I am so excited for this. <laughs> um, like I said, when I do things, I kind of go all in. That's just, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. Um, which I guess is a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, I, I'm really excited to challenge myself and just see how much I can do in those 12 hours. Um, you know, I, I love feeling exhausted after a race because it feels like I've pushed myself in a way that I never was able to before. Um, so I'm just really excited to see what I'm capable of. Um, and just the whole experience. I mean, I, I, I'm reading all these books and, you know, following, you know, runners on Instagram and trying to figure out like what I need to do, but really, I'm just really excited just to be there in the moment. Yeah. It's a, it's a long moment. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm enjoying the, the training. Yeah. Um, it's a lot different than I'm what I normally would do. Um, trail running is totally new. I still get lost even with it, an app. I'm, I still get lost every single run. Um, and it's, it's different. That's part of the joys of it. of getting lost. I love, yeah. I used to, I used to have group runs and I would get people lost all the time. And it's like, well, it's part of the fun. <laughs> Let's see if we can figure out how to get ourselves back. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of times people do get on the loop course, it's going to be hard to get lost, but um, a lot of time runners do get lost out on the course. And I found if they haven't got lost out on their own during a training run, uh, good luck because uh, <laughs> figure your way back to where you stepped off the course. That is not always easy. <laughs> <laughs> do you have uh, do you have an A goal for the for the race? Um, I think a minimum of a fifty k, just because fifty for fifty. But yeah anything over that like i i i think i'm just gonna be happy just to do it just just to be see over the moon that 12 hours awesome that's really cool what do you have uh what do you have on the um other than the 50k what else do you have planned for the uh the near future 
Um, in September, I'll be running a half in Tennessee um, with a woman that I met in an online running group. We've never met in person, but we're going to run this race together. Ooh, that's um, scary. <laughs> well, <laughs> be like my, like when I say I do things all in, um, I've been running a lot of races with people I'd never known, never okay. met in person that I meet in these online running groups, which my family is like, this is totally unsafe, <laughs> you know, but I, I have just TV think, shows dedicated to this, I think. <laughs> yes. But like, I mean, if, I mean, the worst advice ever was like, don't meet people you meet online. No, meet everybody that you meet online. As long as they seem like not serious. Yeah. But like, I just came back from a weekend with a bunch of women I met in an online running group and it was so much fun. And I was like, these really are my people. Like I don't feel self-conscious or stressed out at all. And they didn't care that I brought a megaphone with me. They just let me be me. And we had a, we got up early in the morning and went for a run. We're like, you go away for most girls weekends and like you sleeping in. No, like we got up, we went to a path, we ran and then we like went on with our day and they were all super great and shared a room with a woman I'd, I'd never met before um, except, you know, virtually. So yeah. So September is a half marathon in Tennessee with someone I also have never met. So you, hold on. We, 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 you, you glanced over something really okay. quick and I got to know what the megaphone <laughs> I, I don't know. I just do strange things, but I saw I've never these, heard that. that is strange. <laughs> I saw, no, I saw these reels on Instagram. I think it was of people doing like polite, non-physical compliments to people. And I thought, you know what? Like I'm going away with a bunch of people. I don't know. I want to meet as many people as I can. And we met all these like super amazing people and I think I met like five or six new dogs. I can't remember most of the owner's names, but um, it, it was just fun. That's awesome. <laughs> Got a lot of strange looks, but and a lot of little <laughs> kids were like, why do you have that? Said, Is it like name? a full-size megaphone, like a big one? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. And it, wouldn't you... fit, it wouldn't fit in my carry-on, so I had it like tied to my backpack it's getting on the plane like everyone is looking at me like who oh is you should have made an announcement on the airplane that would have been yeah, hilarious yeah. they're probably just waiting for like what's this lady <laughs> gonna start screaming when she's on the plane <laughs> oh that's too funny so what after uh, september do you have um there's a couple of races i'm thinking about but nothing in stone i want to get at least two or three more half marathons in before the end of the year um there's a local one that I love. It's always my birthday weekend. So um, definitely we'll do that one. Awesome. Awesome. So what kind of, uh, what kind of gear are you using? Um, well, so mostly um, I love my inappropriate t-shirts. I'm sure you see them in all of my Instagram posts, but <laughs> some of my favorites um, are from Stiletto Running. Uh, it's a, like a small woman owned company and she just, I love everything she does. It just captures the two middle fingers that I run with every day. <laughs> what are some um, examples of them? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, there's a whole line of, of kind of potty mouth ones that have the swear words kind of blocked out, but like 
Um, you you can say whatever you want on this podcast. No one cares. Okay. She came, <laughs> she ran, she fucked shit up. Uh, <laughs> like and, you know, I, I wear them and my family just shakes their head. But I love it. You know what? They make me smile they, and they make other people smile. And, I, you know, it's what it's all about. It's what it's yeah. all about. And um, I am obsessed with sock and issues like I I will not wear anything else and I buy them all in the same color so sometimes I'm not sure which or which until I can look to see which has which <laughs> mark on it <laughs> oh that's funny yeah do you use the okay. same for trail yes Sockany. well not I use Saucony trail but yeah like same color too they're all yeah. the same color. what um, why what color is it it's like a, a mint green which oh, okay matches the a AFSP green and so okay, good. Cool. when I run an a-, a race for team AFSP it always looks nice yeah um, that's cool now I'm like a creature of habit and I have like all shoes in the same color <laughs> I guess it's convenient because one of my dogs likes to eat shoes so sometimes oh. I might need to borrow a shoe from another pair <laughs> you don't have to be embarrassed by the amount of shoes you own because I own a lot a lot, a lot. I'll bet. I'll bet. I've seen some of the the runners setups like on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, mine are like in a bin. I don't know. Yeah, so mine are all there. mine are just strewn all through the house and everything. <laughs> um, I have a dog that likes to chew on shoes, so mine are all in weird places on shelves where I have to go searching for them. <laughs> that makes me feel better because some of the setups I see are so organized and neat, and I think I would like to be that person, but. I'm not. <laughs> we do have a shelf that um, I just learned I was putting my shoes on wrong for like the last three years. But uh, my wife's like, no, you're supposed to put your shoes on like this. But I, I didn't understand why they kept falling off. But <laughs> 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 I just thought it was a crappy shelf. Apparently I was doing it wrong. But uh, yeah, that's where all mine go. If, awesome. if they fit my 30 or 40 or 50 pair of shoes that I own. But um, so we always ask um, our guests to give us a name of a person who also has a great story that would, that you think would just, you know, be a, a perfect fit for our podcast. Um, who, who do you have in mind? That- um, I have been following, he goes by the running mullet. Um, his first name is Rory. He's a runner. He's a sober runner. Um, and his story has just, I, I've loved following his journey he found running when he uh, became sober and he is like, I don't know, superhuman in some ways. Um, I was so excited to see him run at the Boston Marathon this year. I was volunteering at mile 17. I made everybody watch for him and then scream his name as he ran by. Um, Just the, the level of commitment and dedication that he has is just absolutely unbelievable but then the story of of how he found himself in sobriety is just it's amazing and it it really shows me that you know if you believe in yourself enough you, you can accomplish anything yeah absolutely absolutely well thanks um thank you so much for coming on and telling your story i really appreciate it um i hope that this story um reaches the people that needs to reach thank you um and you know, we've created a cool little market where I wouldn't say a market, but just a, a cool little community where we've had guests on that have told their story and other guests have reached out 
asking like, Hey, can I contact so-and-so? And And I just, I want to ask right here on the podcast, like if someone's struggling and wants to reach out, are you good with them reaching out to you? Absolutely. Where can they find you? Um, so on Instagram, it's Jen dot and dot pen pen is my dog. Um, or on Facebook, Jen Hoy, um, or Jennifer Hoy.com is my website. And there's a, a contact link there. Okay. Uh, we'll give you a, give you a second to shout out to any uh, organizations you want to, any people that you want to shout out to, um, the floor is yours. Um, well, of course, American foundation for suicide prevention, um, gave me hope when I didn't think there was any, and I have met so many amazing people and so many other team AFSP runners that there are so many that I can't name them all. Um, And then my online running group, the Misfit Runners, who have been so supportive and just like the irreverence with which they approach running has made running fun for me. Um, So both of those have been in my heart. The Misfit Runner sounds like a cool organization. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for telling your story. I know it, you know, it, it definitely can be hard. And I, I, I'm very grateful that you were able to come on and tell it on our platform. And like I said, hopefully it, it reaches the people that it needs to reach. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being uh, vulnerable. I know it's hard with, you know, trauma and tragedy, but like, you know, Justin was saying, if one person or you were saying one person gets something from this. It's a win in everyone's book. That's all that matters. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, please give us a like, give us a download, give us a follow, um, and give us a rating on any platform that you listen to your podcast on. It definitely helps us and it will help others find this podcast. Thank you so much.